Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. And it's good to be with you all. Thanks for tuning in. Father, uh, as yo, the yo. whole semester is ending, you know, I'm sure you've been trying to frantically get in a few more visits as Whoa. a vocation director. Where in the world has Father Crowdy been recently? Oh, Shane, that's great. That's an excellent question. Um, Do you even know? Is it a blur? Literally, I sat down to pray the other day and thought about just my last week. Um I traveled to Kansas city for some vocation stuff a week ago. And then mm-hmm. it was like, that was Friday into Saturday. Saturday got back, hosted this uh, faculty and staff Christmas party at the cathedral rectory. Mm-hmm. Um, like right as I got back rolled into uh, on Monday, I did catechesis uh, professional development, talking about the back mm-hmm. of conception and Mary and some questions rolled right into some crazy like weather um, surrounding school days and stuff like that. I was teaching uh, sophomores, as I mentioned in the last episode, about holy orders for three consecutive days, which also had weathers and like laid outs and early early school. But the craziest day, and this just kind of shows both that I kind of double booked myself and just a little bit of the craziness of the life we live, um, we lead rather. Um, I taught all day on a Wednesday, got in my car and drove three hours to Cedar Falls for a 9 p.m. Uh, student mass at the St. Stephen, the witness center. It's very difficult to remember to call it St. Stephen, the witness, because there's a parish in Omaha, Omaha called St. Stephen, the martyr, right? Martyr and witness mean the same thing. However, right. it's difficult to remember that in your head. I had never been to Cedar falls. I had never okay. been to St. Stephen, the witness, obviously if I've never been to Cedar falls and I got there, had some pizza with some friends. Um, there was some conversation about the podcast. Um, there was some shade being thrown by, uh, Paul, the director at the Newman Center, who said that he's, you know, supported as when he used to work for the Knights of Columbus, supported you, supported the diocese, supported all, all these different things with seminarians. And he was upset that he, we've never had him on the podcast. Oh. So, Paul, if you're listening, um, give us something interesting that you can talk about and maybe we'll invite you on the podcast, right? Ooh. Now, that we, but how I should say this the hospitality that was shown to me as St. Stephen the Witness in Cedar Falls, next to the campus of you and I, was next to none. It was wonderful. I left with a t-shirt um, that says something about Catholic Panthers or something, right? I got a t-shirt. I was given Nespresso. I was given Papa John's pizza. I was. I got to see a lot of um, kids from Northwest Iowa. What I was most proud about, proud spiritual dad moment. There wasn't a ton of people. You and I is not huge. The student center is mm-hmm. not massive. There wasn't a ton of people at this mass. It was 9 p.m. for the uh, vigil for the Immaculate Conception. There were five of my Galen students at the mass from, nice. from Lamar's. I was very proud. I was very proud. I mean, to have five, I mean, they, there definitely couldn't have been five other students from just one school. Just, I mean, there could have been, but I was, I was very proud. They might've just come out just for me, perhaps for the Holy Day of Obligation. But nevertheless, I was proud to see that my students, um, who I got to. Father Crotty has a fangirl club. There, but there I'm sure they have for been, Jesus there may have you. been a moment after mass that did look like a little bit of a fangirl club but i hope Uh they were coming for jesus and his immaculate mother but it was wonderful father mark murphy uh was great the the student center newman center you always say newman center to a place that doesn't call it a newman center then everybody's confused Mm -hmm. but whatever the catholic student center called saint stephen the witness was wonderful um i gotta say love my high school kids 
college ministry is kind of where it's at. It's exciting. It's like there's just a lot of growth, a lot of freedom that's happening in young people as they're experiencing the formation, those formative years of college. So it was really mm-hmm. exciting to step in, hear some confessions, celebrate mass with a group of people who really wanted to be there, engaged in the liturgy. Good for you. Yep. And then, well, I'll just, I'll just finish this up because it was kind of wild. I drove back that night because I had to teach in the morning. So mm-hmm. I drove back and I stayed uh, in Fonda, my home hometown at the rectory there, and then drove back. So I like left Cedar Falls like 1045. Mm-hmm. It was pretty crazy. But then the Lord is kind of merciful, and we had an early out on Thursday because of the weather. A late start or an early out? An early out. Oh, so you still had to be back at the Oh, yeah, it was still intense. And then, like, out of nowhere, I had to, like, just on the fly in a half an hour uh, decide to have mass at 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. instead of 2 p.m. and then, like, rush over there. But thankfully, got a little break in the afternoon. Got it all done. Well, way to go. Thank you. Way to maximize your time. You're kind of burning the candle all the panthers the way it is. And you and I. St. Steve the Witness. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Father, you know, we are recording this in the holiday season in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I, I've just been doing a lot of praying and thinking about... Some call that Advent, but that's fine. Yes. Uh, I, so I've just been thinking a lot about how families, you know, encounter one another uh, during the holidays, and you you encounter family members who might be falling away from the faith, mm-hmm. Um you might just be encountering family members who are drifting culturally in which their religious belief and their, their religious expressions might not be unifying the family that much. And you might just be encountering people in your travels throughout the holidays of, of, of various backgrounds, different persuasions. And I, I want to just kind of lean in today to kind of maybe give a, a small tip or two of how to start uh, welcoming people back. You know, we've, we've talked on this podcast about maybe inserting some little religious stocking stuffers to gently, you know, get a religious perspective back into people's lives mm-hmm. if they've slipped away from the practice of their faith. Um, and this is not going to be an end-all, be-all discussion today about how to evangelize anyone who's left the church. But if you are encountering some people that uh, maybe have fallen away from the faith or just, you know, come from a completely different background than your religious beliefs, it might just kind of be interesting to talk into this today to say, how do you actually get the conversation going? Mm-hmm. How do you actually get that started to say, um, you know, what is your religious belief? Um, obviously, do you want holidays to be civil and to be joyful and to be merry, if you will? And you don't want to start attacking people like, why have you left the church? You know, mm-hmm. we're not a we're not a, a group of people who want to be out condemning others, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I was just kind of pondering, you know, one or two little simple ways that you might be able to lean into this conversation. Again, it has to be the right time. It has to be the right place. I think we discussed in a few episodes ago that when you're in the middle of like passing the mashed potatoes at a ho- holiday meal, that's not the time to start leaning into people with like. Well, John, how long you've been away from the sacrament of confession? Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Sal, Uncle Sal. You get your you get your uh, son confirmed yet? Oh no! Oh well, sucks to be you. You know that's oh. not what we do yep. at holiday meals as faithful Christians. But when there are uh, moments, maybe there's some private moments. You know, you're hosting relatives. Maybe it's quiet time in the evening, sitting around the fireplace. Maybe you've got a little Irish coffee or something. Oh, maybe you're at the gym and you've you've built up a relationship with somebody. Maybe you're out with Father Crotty and you're just yeah. meeting strangers in coffee shops Canadians like in normal. The, Canadians in the coffee shop. Who knows? Yeah. Wherever you're at in your life, you know, if there's, 
if there's the right setting and there's a moment for a, a little deeper step into a, a more profound conversation, what about this? What if we start inquiring people about what gives them meaning in their life and where do they find direction in their life? And the reason I start with those questions is because I think it can be an easy prompt without getting overly preachy, overly biblical to say to somebody, can you speak a little bit more about your deeper desires? Can you speak a little bit more about what's stirring in your own interior life? Now, for example, someone might say, well, I find a lot of meeting in my family and I just really enjoy spending time with my family. Well, that's great. Your family is a, is a gift from God. And we can affirm that, and, and we should in these moments of conversation. And that can always open up the door to say, well, if you cherish your family so much, uh, would you ever be interested in learning more about God's family mm. and how all of us are connected together as a body of believers making up the one family of Christ? Maybe someone would say, well, I find a lot of meaning uh, and responsibility in working towards protecting the environment. I, I'm really interested in creation. Well, that's great. How wonderful that you you view the uh, the beauty and the the importance of the of creation as a gift to us. Would you ever be interested in learning more about the Creator who's beyond behind the gift of creation? If you're so interested in protecting the environment, mm. um, would you like to to study kind of well? How did this get? How did this uh, come about? And who really oversees it? Who gave us the gift of the environment? And is it pointing us in its goodness towards something better, towards the heavenly Jerusalem to come? Um, maybe someone says, well, I'm just really drawn towards beauty. Okay, great. Mm. If, you're, if you're drawn towards beauty and you find meaning in that, if that gives your life direction, whether that be through the arts, whether that be through theater, photography, whatever that might be, great. Are you interested in learning more and actually having a personal union and relationship with the artist who is the source of all beauty? Mm. Um, I don't know any thoughts on these. These are just kind of some yeah. little entry points into discussing some deeper questions that might give shape to someone's life and where they find meaning and direction. Yeah, no, I do have a lot of thoughts um, because I do find myself having these conversations, and I, I don't like style myself as like some evangelization like specialist or something. And also, I'm always humbled when I think of like the actual missionaries in the church who. You think of like the North American martyrs, you think about these people who brought the faith to people who've never heard it, you know? And just as that just as that helpful uh, book from Christendom Dapstock Mission really shows, like they're different they're different kind of approaches, but it's the same proclamation of the gospel just in different cultural contexts. So yeah, what's easier? Coming to like a, a pagan people who's never heard of Christ or coming to <laughs> Honestly, coming to Thanksgiving dinner with your family members who it's like this varying levels of disaffiliation with the church, right? A lot of assumptions on both sides of what people think, what people believe, what the church actually teaches, what it doesn't teach, right? Like what we've been talking about recently with this uh, exposure to the broader to the broader church, to the broader, broader people of, of God. Um, but I think what you said already is very helpful, that approaching a conversation with anybody where you're actually interested in what they think and what they feel and what they experience, that's so helpful. Not that in the background you're like, yeah, because I'm going to work around this so that I can eventually convince you of this thing. No, if I actually care about you, if I care about the person in front of me, it goes back to our episode about Father Hazing's homily, right? Person versus project. Are you just a project for me? Or are you actually a person with a, with a heart, with a mind, with a soul, with an eternal destiny, right? 
as we'd say in like Greek philosophy with a telos, with a real end for eternity. Like, are you made for something more? Um, as Curtis, Curtis Martin from Focus would say, are you made for more? Like, if we can go into a conversation with that perspective and being really interested in what the other person cares about, I love that. Like, when you walk into conversation, and whether it's kind of heated and they're talking about the faith and they're talking about why they left, it's like, tell me why you left. Right? I bring up those three girls in the Ambo at that funeral all the time. We've brought that up mm-hmm. a few times in the podcast. What sparked that whole conversation, I just said, oh, well, why'd you leave? Like, because the... I think so often the anticipate the expectation from the outside looking at right a priest or a committed Catholic or Christian is you're judging me because I'm not living the life you're living right your your kind of your moral expectation of me isn't met so therefore you have this kind of high level of judgment if you can approach and just say like no I'm just curious like what you experience or people who might be in a Protestant church who've left the Catholic Church or might be you know kind of seeking these different things what do you like about it what's helpful about that. But then even deeper is, okay, well, yeah, what does give you kind of excitement and passion and happiness? Like what gets, gets you going? Working with high school students, that's always the, the goal. It's like it's pretty hard to engage a high school student, and I get it. It's like kind of a grind just sitting there listening to people talk to you all day long. But it's like when you get to encounter a high school student outside of school, right? Uh, Elliot was talking about that with um, uh, service day. It's like these students who just kind of stare with just a kind of like mouth agape, just like kind of like a, a glazed over stare when they started like lifting rock and like hauling stuff around at like Trinity Heights. It's like, Oh, like you do have a pulse. You are alive. Like you do have a desire for something more, you know, but it's just to try to tap into that. So if that happens in conversation, if that happens in kind of understanding what actually sparks something in this person, what gets mm-hmm. them excited? Well, what's that heading toward? Like you were just mentioning all those different examples family beautiful but well what's what's the end of of that where does that kind of lead toward right is it just a an earthly happiness right now or is there something that's actually more um is there a desire that's not being filled i know dr feingold often talks about his own conversion story dr feingold being a theologian at kenrick his own conversion from being kind of a just like a a non-practicing jewish kind of atheist really paying attention to this reality of i have a desire that's not being met and it doesn't seem possible to meet that. That seems so absurd that I would have a desire as a human being that can't be met. Dogs only have desires that can be met. They're hungry and they can go eat some food, right? They want to reproduce and they go find another dog. But the human heart, like we have this depth of our, in our being that wants something more, that's desirous of something more, right? This desire for meaning, this desire for truth, beauty, goodness, longing for something outside of ourselves. To tap into that seems like, perfect place to start that conversation well i yeah i don't know if it's the perfect place but i think it's one starting point <laughs> one of the spots, right yeah and i think um you're in a great spot as a high school chaplain because as you were just mentioning with conversations with elliot mcclarty and and the service learning day in which people were finding joy and meaning and being of service to others especially those who are or maybe incapable of providing for themselves and you know someone might say i find a lot of meaning in this mm-hmm. giving back to my community being of service um, really gives me a sense of, of satisfaction. Great. Let's build on that. You enjoy actually uh, acting like Jesus. Mm. You're perhaps at a point in your life where you don't want to sit down and read the Bible or the catechism all day, but you want to go out and you want to serve like Jesus. Mm. Can I can I introduce you to the fullest love that Jesus offered to others in his service? Right? How do you think you take that step, Father Shane? Because I actually find it myself, it's difficult. It's it's easy to engage another on that level of that, like, oh, okay, this is what you're interested in, or this is what you see that's good in the world. 
to make that shift though, to bring in Jesus to the conversation or to bring in the church, I think I might even be timid sometimes as a priest to do that. It's, it's easy sometimes when we can walk around with a collar and there's no question of who we are or what we kind of represent. But I just know for different family members, that becomes a place of tension. It's like, once I kind of make it quote unquote religious, you know, will that just shut somebody down? How do you make that kind of shift? Well, I think it kind of depends on who you're speaking to. You know, do you do you sense that this is someone who has an animosity against organized religion? Mm. Is this someone that you know that if you if you kind of pull out your religious card too early, they're going to just shut down on you? Mm. Uh, so maybe just sensing, okay, does this person actually need to start discovering more of their own desires? Mm. Like, is this the very first time they've recognized I enjoy service, I enjoy being uh, helpful to others? I enjoy getting out of my own little world and making sure someone else's world is better. If that's the first time they're experiencing that, yeah, it's going to be kind of a big jump to say, well, let me tell you about the fullest meaning of service (laughs) as experienced by Christ Jesus on the wood of the cross. (laughs) That's going to be a big jump. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, walking with somebody and, and helping them understand, hey, you've been getting into a pattern of service. You're volunteering in your community. Maybe you're chipping in some time at the local boys and girls home or whatever that is. Uh, maybe they're helping out at a at a homeless shelter or a, a food kitchen. As that rhythm of service starts to develop, and and a rapport you know is established with that person, I think it's it's appropriate over time to say, you know, you're really acting with great virtue, mm-hmm. um, and I just want to affirm you in that. And that virtue is actually leading you somewhere. Where, where do you want that virtue to to go ult- ultimately? Where is the direction of your life headed? as you continue this service. Because from my perspective, I think you're actually starting to live according to the way that Jesus would live. And I think the direction of your life is actually ordered in this, at least in this dimension of your life, towards fulfillment in heaven. Mm. Uh, would you ever like to learn more about that? Do you want to discuss that? Uh, that that yeah. would be one approach, I think. And I think as you share that, what's helpful, and I know we've come back to this before, but I think there's always that underlying fear to engage our family members, our friends who've fallen away from the faith there's this fear that, oh, they'll think I'm judging them too much, that I'm coming on too hard, right? I think we need to trust, well, trust the trust. <laughs> Dr. Harvath at Kendrick would always talk about trust quotient that's built up, right? You can only challenge somebody in a pastoral counseling situation in, in, in therapy um, insofar as there's trust built up, right? But I think sometimes we need to remember that we do, these, these certain relationships do have a lot of trust, built up. And in the context of that trust, I've, I've just started to notice that with, with students, it's like, oh, they do trust me. So I can actually offer like a, a challenge or a correction or an invitation to something deeper without mm-hmm. that fear of like, oh, there's the priest just trying to do priestly kind of religious things. And that's going to push me away. Um, it's a, it's a dance to recognize, okay, like how much, yeah, time have I committed to being present at these different things for my high school students or with family members? It's like, how much kind of time have I committed to really like investing in their life? Um, and, and they know that I care about them. So there's actually a context to, to make that invitation and to have that conversation. I think so many of us, though, we, we, we stay on the outside of those conversations because we're afraid that it'll push people away. I think we need to trust that there is a trust quotient that's been built up within our families or within our friendships or within our kind of communities, our work where we do know people. Um, and we can speak from place of confidence that I care about you. Mm-hmm. So I want to share this. Not because and I'm coming in, also, I'm going to bulldoze you. Yeah. Right. No, I completely agree with you that there, you have to trust the trust that's already been built up there. 
that we're not intending to bulldoze people, even if they might feel a little intimidated at first or uncomfortable. I think we also have to trust in the power of Jesus, right? Yeah, That's probably something we don't say enough on this, this podcast. There's a lot of evangelists out there who would say, you, you can only talk about virtue for so long. You can only talk about goodness and truth and beauty for so long. At a certain point, you have to make the jump mm. to the paradigm who is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Mm. And at a certain point, you have to preach the gospel. Yeah. At a certain point, Christ has to be revealed in word and action. Mm. And it, it always can't be theory. It always can't be dancing around the bush just to make it more palatable for people. Yeah. They actually have to be, the door has to be open for them to know the living Lord. Um, now, again, that you, there has to be some prudence and, and trusting the gifts of the Holy Spirit to say that maybe I just don't do this when I when I jump on the treadmill at a gym with the person sitting next to me. Yeah. Um, but at a certain point, you really do have to introduce people to Jesus and make that, in, in, that, that jump as an introduction. Yeah, and as you say that, I actually realize it's easier than I think most people assume. When I was talking to this couple, this Canadian couple, um, the woman had mentioned like this lack of community. And I immediately was like, oh, this small group that I've been a part of, this uh, CL school of community thing. We've been talking for six months about Martha and Mary and the reflection that we've been kind of working through and talking about has talked about the lack that Martha reveals this lack and Christ speaks into the lack, the ache of her heart and says, there's one thing that's necessary. And so it was interesting. I was able to like, I wasn't trying to like, you know, I didn't have any kind of agenda. It was just like, oh, that resonates with my experience that resonates with my heart, like what I've been thinking and praying through. And I can actually share that. So I was able to, in just a small way, like, yeah, use the name of Jesus and say, yeah, Jesus actually speaks right into Mary's lack and says that he's the one thing necessary. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. what you were just sharing. So I think sometimes there, there's a, yeah, there's an idea that like the shift to like make it religious or make it about Jesus needs to be a big deal. And -hmm. we're afraid of that. It's like, no, the Lord is with us and he's moving in those ways. And he even said to his apostles, like, don't be afraid that you won't have the words to speak. The Holy Spirit will give you those words in the moment. We can trust that. Yeah. Well, that's a good high note to end on there. Um, so these are just a few thoughts about how to help other people maybe find meaning and direction in their life. Don't be afraid to enter into those conversations and don't be afraid to preach the name of Jesus. Good to be with you, Father. Likewise. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.